The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the All Rookie Podcast. Today is September 16th and I'm your host, William Harris, a.k.a. William is Bill. Today, I'm joined by the host of the Hoopball Hawks Podcast, my friend, my pal, the great Brad Harden. How you doing today, Brad? Man, what's going on, Will? I'm doing great, man. It's just a pleasure to be on this great podcast talking about rookies for the Hawks and, you know, Rookies everywhere else in the league, you know, you know, just whoever, you know, the listeners want to hear, you know, we're here to provide it. So I'm just glad to be part of this great show on this great host for this program. You guys have a treat here uh, with the podcast. I appreciate you, Brad. I've been checking out all your work and I appreciate you supporting mine. So I definitely had to have you back on the show. Um, you know, Brad and I worked together on the 2021 NBA draft on Hoopball's YouTube page. He killed it representing the Hawks, uh, and the Hawks had an incredible draft. So I had to have him come join me on the All Rookie Podcast. There we covered the first round where you got what we thought was the steal of the draft in Jalen Johnson. But then somehow you guys ended up with the even bigger steal in the draft, Sharif Cooper at 48. So I didn't get to see your reaction when y'all got Sharif. How excited were you when you uh, ended up with both Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper in the draft? Well, honestly, I was shocked to get both of them. Right. Um, you know, obviously, Shreve Cooper was projected a late first round, and uh, Jalen Johnson was in the teens, but I didn't think he was going to fall to 20 personally. And a lot of people are going to talk about other people's drafts and how great they did. No one's going to really talk about Atlanta because no one wants to give Atlanta love at all. Uh, that's <laughs> that's where I step in. Uh, but I felt that. Atlanta quietly had one one of the better drafts in the NBA. They just let the best available fall to them. I mean, to, to let an athletic specimen, if you want to call him, and Jalen Johnson uh, fall to you at 20, you know, with his size. I mean, when you look at a guy who's 6'9", almost 6'10", uh, what, a 7-foot-plus wingspan, 220 pounds right now, uh, potentially, you know, anchoring the front court for the Hawks for years to come. I that's why that's why I foresee with Jalen Johnson. And I don't think he's gonna come in and just make a just immediate immediate splash offensively. But I truly do think that defensively with his athleticism, with his ability to guard multiple positions, uh with ability to block shots and get rebounds at a high clip, he's going to make an impact early for this Hawks team, especially mm. with Oyeka Okongwu missing at least the first four months of the season uh, with the torn labrum. Um, so I was really excited to get Jalen Johnson. And obviously we saw a little bit of pieces uh, in summer league. Offensively is there. He needs to continue to round out his shot. But to get the Atlanta native Sharif Cooper in the right. second round, that was just, <laughs> man, <laughs> I, 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 I I kind of felt like whenever, like, not, not to the extent, um, I was really happy for Atlanta, but, like, when we, when we saw Cam Thomas fall to the Nets, I couldn't believe it. Right. I couldn't I couldn't believe Sharif Cooper either. I couldn't. Um, in a lot of ways, he's very similar to Trey Young. Um, Trey Young is a slightly better shooter coming out of college, but Sharif Cooper's ability to play, make, create for others, he can get to the cup. 
just a real tough kid, especially, like I said, from the suburban Atlanta area. So it was cool to bring him home. And I think he is in a wonderful, wonderful place to learn under a, a coach named Nathan Mellon, who's been a, play, a point guard in this league for 11, 12 seasons, I want to say. And you have Trey Young with some of the similar play style with street people to learn from. You have Lou Will on your roster, DeLon Wright. Uh, you bring in Nick Van Exel uh, as a player development assistant coach uh, here in Atlanta who played shooting guard and point guard in the NBA. So I feel like Sharif has been brought into a really good situation in Atlanta. I'm really excited for those two players that we drafted and see how they're coming. Eight. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, ironically, I had you guys mock to take Cam Thomas with your 20th pick, and then you ended up with Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper. So, I mean, you definitely nailed it. And my mock draft, I had – uh, Jalen Johnson going 12, Shreve Cooper going 13. So that's incredible wow. value that you guys got right there at 12 and 13. Um, you say you think Jalen Johnson is going to get some minutes. How do you see him getting minutes in that stacked lineup you guys have? You guys uh, sneakily are one of the deepest teams in the league right now. Yeah, depth was not our friend uh, before last season. <laughs> Sure. Uh, we were just hurting for veterans, and we got the help. We got the help, and that help really got us into the playoffs, uh, battled some tough stretches in the schedule last year, a coaching change, and led to obviously getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I say he's going to get minutes because when you look at our front court now, Okongu being hurt, that's a big blow. You bring in Gorgie Dang, and Gorgie Dang – is a great guy to stretch the floor, uh, but he's not really known as a defensive standout. So I feel like to replace the the wiry energy that Oyeko Okongu provides off the bench, I feel like if you give Jalen Johnson some of those minutes at the four, at the three, depending on what kind of lineup you're running, um, and heck, even potentially a small ball five. Now, I know David Millen said that, and Travis Schlenk said that they're not planning for him to be a small ball five, but I feel like how versatile he is on the defensive end and how athletic he is. And I just feel like you have to get him on the court. Now, obviously, when Okongu comes in, I think his minutes does get curtailed um, once Okongu is healthy. But that's why I say early in the season with him being out, because if you look look at our front court, John Collins, Capella, Gallinari, Dang, that's pretty – and then obviously Okongu is out right now. That's five guys. So that fifth guy, and if you look at last year, Okongu, so the minutes that Okongu got last year, Dang is going to probably take. He's going to need to take those minutes. And obviously Gallo is going to get his minutes every game, um, barring health. But when, when, when you don't have Okongu, that fifth guy, when you your bigs are in foul trouble and the Hawks have a knack for their bigs getting in foul trouble, I feel like having a Jalen Johnson off the bench who you can say you can bring along slowly. I'm not saying he's going to get huge minutes, but if he's playing six, seven minutes a game to get a taste of NBA play and he's showing some flashes on a defensive end and continue to grow his confidence, I think you have to put him in, especially with the front court situation as is. Now, like I said, we have some vets. That's great. He's going to have some really great vets to bring him along um, who can do a bunch of different things. You know, the explosive is John Collins. Jalen Johnson can relate to. Um, the blocking ability and the rebounding ability from Capella, you know, Jalen Johnson can learn from him. The ability to stretch the forward, dang, 
Jalen Johnson can learn from him. And just battling with a guy whenever Okongu is healthy, who has that energy, a young guy who's hungry as well, that's going to just, you know, iron sharpens iron. So I feel like you have to find an opportunity to get him on the court just because of what all he provides, especially in the defensive end. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I kind of see the same uh, situation for Trey Murphy in New Orleans. Um, yes. I think they're in a similar spot. And, you know, same with Sharif Cooper. You guys are loaded at the point guard position. Unfortunately, you know, he's on a two-way contract. So, you know, he'll probably only play, be on the squad for about half of the season. But do you think there's a path for minutes? Would it have to be an injury for him to get some time on the real team? I think it's definitely going to have to be an injury. And if he's just playing out of his mind in College Park and you're just like, hey, like we got to get him on the court somehow, mm-hmm. some way, um, I say go for it. Uh, but I think, like I said, he's in a great situation because, like, I love Skylar Mays and he looked great in Summer League. Great in Summer League. He, he was the confident vet of the group. And mm-hmm. it showed with his ability to get a bucket at any time. I mean, sh- when you look at the Summer League numbers, uh, Skylar Mays average, you know, the second highest points in summer league behind Jalen Johnson, 18.8 a game. And there were some games he was, you know, around 30. But the thing that sucked for Skylar Mays last year and a lot of, you know, young players who were towards the end of NBA benches is that we didn't have the G League last year. They weren't able to get those consistent minutes. I mean, yeah, it's not NBA ball, but at least you're 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 having live reps. You're working on your shot. You're working on your spots. You're working on seeing the floor better, being the better, better defensively. Whatever they're tasking you with in the organization, you can go put that into practice with, with the G League squad. And I think that is where if Sharif Cooper has the right attitude about it, which I think he will, if he buys into that, I feel like he can go to College Park and eat and truly continue to work on getting those turnovers down, which is a big thing. We know how well he is, you know, passing about how great he is passing the ball. Early on, that's one of the things that really stood out to me going into the draft. But getting those turnovers down, really seeing the floor a little bit better, learning the Hawks system. So if it does come to a situation where someone gets hurt or an opportunity presents itself where he's playing, say, well, we got to get him on the floor. uh, I think it'll be a little bit smoother transition with him having an opportunity to play for the College Park uh, Skyhawks. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a good point. He can get a little bit more weight on him as well, but yeah. um, I think it'll be a great situation. Uh, and that's a great transition into, you know, some of your undrafted rookies uh, played well in the summer league. Uh, your your summer league team was pretty much full of rookies, but three of them that stood out to me was Javin DeLaurier, Max Hidiger, and Justin Jaworski. Um, do you think there's any slimmer of hope that they can get on this Atlanta Hawks team, or you think they'll pretty much be in the G League all season? I think they're going to be in the G League all season. We we talked about the depth uh, that the the Hawks have, you know, really, you know, lucked into. If you know, the rest of the league is going to say we lucked into. We strategically <laughs> acquired this depth to really, you know, put pieces around Trey Young. But uh, those three players really had some flashes in summer league. And those are people that you want to keep into the system. And um, I, like I said, I just hope other teams um, like the Hawks are really looking at this as treated like a farm team. I mean, minor league baseball, they do this all the time, you know, single A, double A, triple A, to truly cultivate talent and really develop guys and then bring them up to the big show. I mean, I'm playing a show right now. So, I mean, on, on PS5, so it's pretty fun. Okay. But, 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 in great trans transition there, 
teams need to look at it like that as well. And with those three players and how well they played in summer league, if you can keep them into your system, let them continue to grow. Because, hey, even if they don't make your roster, they're always great trade pieces down the road if they're shining. Because like they say, um, with training camp, if you watch hard knocks or just in general, you're always, no matter how hard, you know, who you're playing for, how hard you're playing, you're always auditioning for somebody, whether it's the organization you're in or another one. So yeah. these three players are going to have an opportunity to stay here in the Atlanta area, be in spitting distance of the, you know, the, the Hawks, Atlanta Hawks facility. And if they're playing well and w- we need some, you know, those, you know, position needs, especially with injuries or something, hell, call them up and let them come play in the State Farm Arena. Yeah, totally true. It's a, it's a lot of players that already have been signed to other teams that perform well in the summer league. So, you know, that's a good point. And it depends on which way y'all go. I saw with your last uh, roster spot, it looks like you signed TLC, Timothy Lawawu Cabarro. So you think well, he will have a role on this team or he's just 16th man, 15th man? Um, I mean, it, I mean, he's an NBA player. He has experience. Uh I still think there's things in his game he needs to continue to work on, but I mean, I mean, he he's he, if he's a great, I mean, he came from like he played for the Nets last year. Am I correct? Yeah, played for the yeah, Nets yeah. last year. That's another that's another good organization. I mean, iron sharpens iron. There, who knows what he learned within that organization to get him on your team. Um, even if he's a great practice player, if you're a great practice player, you're gonna ultimately make the team better. And yeah. it's just a matter of, you know, the attitude that you take that you take going into your certain role given and playing on Team France this offseason as well. Um, I mean, his confidence is at all time high. So he probably thinks he's going to come in and get some minutes. And if there's a need for him and we could use him, especially on a defensive end, I say, you know what, Timothy, uh, I know mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> David says he sounds like a wine. <laughs> he sounds like some type of wine, but uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> but 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 if, if if you can provide something for this Hawks team, and we can always get better defensively. If you look at our numbers defensively, we had the lowest defensive rating out of teams in the playoffs, and I think we were twentieth or twenty first. Yeah, I have to go back and look at those numbers. But we need to continue to get better on the defensive end. And I think he's a player that does that with his size, with his length, with his wingspan. He can guard multiple positions. And heck, I think it's a, I think it's a great signing, especially with the Dang signing. Who Dang? He's not really great on the defensive end. Yeah, and I mean, you didn't have to give up much. He's making less than two million dollars. And uh, two years ago, when they were in the bubble with the Nets, I mean, he he played like an all star, you know. So uh, if you can get him anywhere close to that level, you know, he he'll be a contributor for the team. He's a great three point shooter as well. I don't know what happened with the Nets this year. He didn't really get any minutes, but it's a great landing spot with the Hawks. Um, you know, speaking of summer league, G League, that type of situation. Have any other rookies impressed you from this class so far? Um, you know, obviously you have the big names with uh, Cade and Jalen and Jalen, but anyone impressed you this uh, offseason? I think you know who I'm going to choose. I think you know who I'm going to choose. <laughs> Your guy? <laughs> My guy from, obviously he ain't from the boot, but he came to the boot, went to LSU, and I got to see him um, very, very often playing Baton Rouge and, like, I, I will tell anybody who listened, I kind of knew he was going to be this guy. When they interviewed him after a game at LSU, when he dropped, like, 27, 28, it was early in the season. And they asked Cam Thomas, said, hey, Cam, what's your favorite place to score on the court? And with a straight face, he looked at the camera and said, everywhere. 
the, the broadcast is laughing, but I'm just like, this dude different. Like that is a very yeah. different response for a freshman, a freshman who is really soft spoken. And to see what he did in summer league, and to be co MVP of the summer league, oh, it, it, that's correct. That he did get that accolade, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. To be to be co MVP of summer league, and to have that confidence. Knowing, like I said, he's not gonna not gonna start, but you have a guy who potentially could be. I foresee him in the league potentially being a Lou Will impact. If he's instant offense for your team, that's a pretty good team to have a dude who could light it up like that and have the confidence to score anywhere. And we saw a glimpse of that in the summer league, and now you're going to go into training camp with the Brooklyn Nets going against KD. James Harden and Kyrie Irving, three of probably the greatest scores this that the league has ever seen. And you get to learn from them. Like it, it's just a, a match made in heaven for him and this Nets team. And it's why, Hawks fans, I'm sorry, I am picking the Nets to win it this year. Uh mm-hmm. just with with all they brought in and how they drafted. I and obviously what all they're retaining as well. I just, I mean, that's a, that's a tough team in Brooklyn. We got to see him. We got to see them three times here in Atlanta. We got, we got to get ready. We had some tough games last year, and we got them one game um, last year. But it, it, it ain't gonna be sweet this year. So I definitely say Cam Thomas is at the top of my list as far as rookies go, as far as impressing me in summer league. Right, definitely. Um, this draft was kind of like a giant tease for us because you have. Super talented players like Cam Thomas, uh, Jalen Johnson, you know, so many players that are so talented. If they were on a team where they were starting, they would be potential rookie of the year candidates. But a lot of these great talents are buried on the depth chart. So, you know, we all are just anticipating to see them get some minutes. I guess we just have to uh, appreciate it in the preseason. (laughs) That's all we're going to get for most of these guys. And I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, Highland. Highland, he looked great as well in um, summer league as well. Um, I, I like I said, I I, I don't want to see bias and give my LSU boys all the love, but you know, like I say, he he was great in summer league, and I was really really impressed with him, and I was just kind of shocked that he fell to where he did as well uh, to an organization like that. So it's, I mean, th- th- this draft provided us with more depth. In my, in the, especially with potential with these players, then I think that it was given credit going into the draft. And I'm really excited to see. Obviously, it's all, always about going into the right situation. If they're in the right situation and they have a plan for them, um, there's several players who could really surprise some people that, you know, who are just, you know, not closet NBA fans, but, you know, the people who just know the top players, they know the top teams, but they really don't know the league. I think yeah. maybe in a couple of years, uh, there's going to be some players in this draft. You're like, holy crap, Like, who's this guy? He was in that draft? I don't remember that draft. I'm like, well, you, well, you probably didn't because, I mean, you weren't paying attention. Now, hopefully, you cultivate better NBA fans from drafts like this. So it's just really excited to see them go on a training camp, uh, play with those vets. I mean, obviously, we saw what they did in the summer league. Uh, with other rookies, second year, third year players, uh, people who've been in the G League trying to, you know, get a check uh, and battling hard. And that's one of the main things I like about G uh, Summer League as well. It's just, you know, those players trying to make it. But I think them going into tra- training camp is going to be real fun to see where these guys end up. Yeah, you know, that's a great point you made. Uh, a lot of people 
just mainly hear about those top five guys, and then the rest of the draft class is forgotten until, you know, years down the line when you have valuable contributors. So that's kind of like what the basis of this show was all about, to give everyone in the draft class that deserves it some love. So I love that point that you made with that. Um, you know, so, but, you know, we do still have to mention Cade, yeah. <laughs> Cade, oh, yeah. Jalen Green, you know, Jalen Suss, Scotty Barnes. Do you have an opinion on any of those guys? Like, did any of them impress you, or they did, did they just do what you expected for the most part? Cade, I expected. Uh, Jalen Green, I, I expected both of them to be, you know, definitely the top two players in the draft, and they showed yeah. it definitely going head-to-head. And it sucks that, obviously, Jalen Green didn't finish out some league. But at that point, when you have someone that talented – I'm like, hey, um, you don't need to play no more. Like, he, <laughs> right. he's in a situation he didn't need to play no more. Uh, but yep. Suggs, and I hated that Suggs, same thing. Suggs really impressed me. And it kind of, like, I know a lot of people are like, why are we getting another guard in, in Orlando? They have a lot of guards right now, a lot of young guards. And um, like we joked on the, uh, you know, the, the draft broadcast, that's another episode of, you know, Megan the Band. You know, they, <laughs> they're battling out in Orlando. Definitely. It, to figure out who is going to stay, who is going to stay and who could be the odd one out. Um, is it Fultz? Um, are, are you going to continue to put stock into Kate Anthony? I'm uh, sorry, Cole Anthony. Um, then obviously you got Suggs. And I think Suggs right now, ha- I-, I see him potentially starting already in Orlando. I was really impressed with what I saw from him in summer league. And um, he-, he was an absolute gem, like absolute gem. Uh, I know Kaminga, we didn't mention him. Kaminga showed some flashes there, and I was really impressed with uh, Moses Moody, you know, the University of Arkansas uh, product. He looked good as well. Um, Like I said, there was a lot of guys who seemed ready, seemed ready in summer league, and that's what I loved. Because obviously, you know, we didn't have this last year. We didn't have a chance for summer league last year with everything going on in this country. So for them to – get an opportunity. A lot of these guys really took advantage of it. Like, Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go out there and ball, you know, I'm gonna go out there and ball, you know, book night, book night looked good as well. Like, like I said, the list continues to just go on and on with just players that could surprise some people, you know, when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Um, and like you said, with the warrior guys, they're going to be struggling to get minutes, even though they're super talented. So it just, that's just how it goes. Um, hey, well, at least fun. you get to go to Santa Cruz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're in the right spot for that. If you're going to be riding the bench anywhere, Atlanta and Santa Cruz. That's what yeah, Oh, yeah. Because there's some <laughs> tough, tough D-League uh, locations. Uh, uh, you're going to have to pay me a lot or promise me something to maybe go to uh, Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, that's a great point with that you made with the Magic. Um, and it looks like with that log jam of point guards, they'll probably make some type of trade, which leads me to your Hawks again. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Canton Reddish possibly being traded. The big fish out there that you guys could possibly get is Bradley Beal. How likely do you see that scenario happening? And would you be for it or against it? Well, obviously, I'd be a fool to say, say I'm against it. <laughs> I would definitely welcome Brad Bill to the ATL. Obviously, uh, both, you know, me and him growing up in the STL area, obviously me after leaving Louisiana, and I got to see him in high school play. Um, it'd be great to see him come to Atlanta and do what he does. Uh, but as far as Cam Reddish, 
I mean, like I said, like you said, we've been shopping them. We've been shopping them for about a year and a half now. And right now, when you think about DeAndre Hunter, and right now DeAndre Hunter is untouchable at this point. Um, when you think about Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter has more film than Cam Reddish. So right now, if you're looking at the odd guy out out of the, out of those three young players, it is Cam Reddish, and he it's because he hasn't been available. You gotta have tape. And for me, and I said this on my last episode, if you guys want to check out Hoopball Hawks, um, Cam Reddish for me has to play 64 to 66 games this year. He has to, like, he has to prove to the league what he is. And we know what he can be. I, I, For me, his ceiling for me is Paul George. I see some Paul George in him with his size, with the streaky shooting ability, but we know he can hit jump shots, his athleticism, his ability to defend. I see potentially his ceiling being Paul George. Wow, that's but, a big statement right there. And even when he trained with Steph Curry last offseason going into this season, Steph Curry even said he has all the tools at his disposal to be an all-star in this league. And I agree with him. He has everything, but it's about consistency. That is the biggest thing I want to see. Consistency being healthy, consistency scoring points. Um, He's always consistent on the defensive end, but consistent touches, and that's on the Hawks. Those are the things I need to see from Cam Reddish because by the end of the season, I want to be able to say Cam Reddish is blank. And I want to be able to fill uh, fill that statement with something. Because right now, I don't know. Because there's so many players, I mean, fans here in Atlanta who saw the two games in the playoffs. Like, yo, man, Cam Reddish is back, man. Yeah, I'm excited, (laughs) man. I told you. I told you. I'm like, man, anybody can have two great games. I mean, Lynn Sanity was, what, a stretch of, what, 12, 13 games where he took the league by storm? Like, like, I need to see some more consistency from Cam Reddish. And – I'm a, I'm a Duke basketball supporter, so I want to see him succeed. And people say, oh, man, you're a Cam Reddish hater. I'm not a Reddish hater. I love Cam Reddish. I'm a realist, though. And the real thing is that you don't have a lot of tape right now. So he needs to stay healthy. He needs to continue to get stronger, continue to – one of the things that I that really bothers me about Cam Reddish at times is, hey, you, you got the ball at the three-point line. Dribble drive, get to the cup, get to that free throw line, get your shot in rhythm, shoot the mid-range jumper. It's not always do or die. It's not always three or to the rim. You know, really pick your spots and find your spots on the court. And that's one thing that we have yet to see Cam Reddish do. And I would like for us to be able to incorporate a little more, a whole lot of Reddish. Shout out to uh, Playboy Cardi. But really infuse him more into the offense, whether it's coming off the bench or starting. Let him figure out where his spots are on the floor, and let's see what and who Cam Reddish truly is in the NBA. Okay, that's that's good to hear because it seems like you have a lot of questions still about Cam Reddish. You know, from an outsider's perspective, you know, I'm I'm in here in North Carolina. I'm a Hornets fan, so I'll, from what I've seen, I didn't really think there's too much of a difference between Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. It seems like you think there is. <laughs> And, and and the difference between them is consistency. That that I, I really harp on consistency. Uh, with DeAndre Hunter, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. I mean, even his but, rookie but, rookie well, year, he was. I will staying. say, DeAndre Hunter's had a lot of knee injuries, though. You're not worried yeah. about that. 
Um, I mean, it, I would be a fool not to be worried about that. Yes, um, you always want to see what type of explosiveness he's going to have after having multiple knee surgeries. You want to see that. And, you know, it is a slight cause for concern. But the one thing, the, the, the differences, and I said this, I, I was going, I was getting into it, is the differences between DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish is consistency and confidence. I see those two things with DeAndre Hunter. I see that. I saw it last year before he got hurt. He was consistently scoring 14, 15, 16 points to add to what other players were doing. He was consistently guarding the best player on the other team. He wasn't afraid to take those jump shots. He wasn't afraid to guard whoever he had to guard. I mean, the, the moment that really, like, it sunk for me was when we were playing Brooklyn Nets early in the season. DeAndre Hunter had Kevin Durant on him, and he didn't. it didn't matter. He he dribbled, dribbled, sized him up, got to his spot, shot a jumper in Ke- in Kevin Durant's face and drained it. And it was a big shot in that game. And I was like, that right there, that's confidence. That is someone who worked in the offseason, knows his spots, knows his games, and know where he needs to fit on his team to make this team succeed. That's where I see from DeAndre Hunter. I don't see it as much from Cam Reddish. He's too streaky, and I would like for that to be ironed out and cleaned up um, this year um, with hopefully a lot of opportunity for him to, you know, make me eat my words. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's a great point. Um uh, I just guess I would have to ask you for for Bradley Bill, what are you trading from the Hawks? What am I trading from the Hawks? So, in backroom conversations here in the Atlanta area, when I'm supposed to be working and I'm talking basketball <laughs> right now, I mean, I, I think I think you put Bogey on the table. I think you yeah. give them Bogey. You give them either Herder or Reddish, uh, maybe another player that you want to move on from and some future picks. I think that's what you do at this point. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that we could offer up. Uh, maybe maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's Bogey, maybe it's Gallo. Maybe, who knows? Especially especially if you see what Jalen Johnson – because I, I personally, I see Jalen Johnson eventually replacing Gallo. That's where I see they're similar in size, but but Jalen Johnson is a much better defender. Um, he has the capability to score, you know, multiple points on the floor, and he's younger. He's younger, and he's he fits more with his timeline than Gallo. And may, may, maybe if they're willing to take Gallo's contract, you give him him, or you give him Bogey, you give him one of those young wings, um, the Magic City trio that I like to call them down here in Atlanta. Uh, you give him one of them and some future picks, and I think that's what you try to do to try to get Brad Bill. See, I, I had Alan Sorokin on the show a couple of days ago. My came, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got. He came up with similar stuff like that, and I said, "That's not gonna get Bradley Beal now. You got to give up either DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, and Cameron. You got to give up more than that for Bradley Beal. Would you still do it if you had to throw in Jalen Johnson or DeAndre Hunter with Cam Reddish, possibly with Bogey, and some picks, or is that too much?" That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> but but I think that's what that's where negotiations come. I right. think there is a combination of three of those players that uh, in future picks that's going that will work for the Wizards. Uh, and, and and you're right. It may have to be a fourth player because it's not just the same conference. It's the same division you're trading Brad Bill in. And that's one reason why I I don't 
I would love to get Brad Bill. I don't know if you're the Wizards, you truly go for it, especially all the loyalty talk that Brad Bill has thrown out. And if you somehow he somehow flips and says, hey, I want out. I think you trade him to the Western Conference before you trade him within the Eastern Conference, let alone in the same division. And you have to go against him four times in a year, twice up there in D.C. in the DMV and then twice here in Atlanta. I mean, I I just think that if you're Washington, you would accept a combination of three or four of those players in future picks. But I think that's a tough pill to swallow to truly trade uh, within the Eastern Conference, Brad Beal. And I think Philadelphia is in the same boat right now. With Ben Simmons, yes, you would like to, you know, try to make things work with Ben Simmons. But if he really wants out, are you really trading him to Cleveland? Are you really going to trade him, you know, within the Eastern Conference? Or are you going to try to do Minnesota, who's in the West, um, and get him out and, and, and try to get some of those assets? I mean, or OKC. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But at this point, um, for the, both of those players, and specifically who we mentioned in Brad Beal, um, I think it's you know easier said than done as far as trading him to Atlanta. As much as I would love to have him in the ATL next to Trey, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely, yeah. It's it's a lot to think about. You know, it's easy to say, you know, you know, just in speculation. But when it comes down to it, you have to think about that other team and like, why would they make that trade? They're gonna want a lot more. So you know, and and I'm and I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real here. If we're trading for anybody. I mean, I think there's a potential disgruntled star in New Orleans that would maybe love to come play in a Hawks uniform. Yeah, but you can't use Dame, can you? Oh, I'm not talking about Dame. You know, I'm talking about someone in New Orleans. I'm talking about oh, Zion. The big guy. The big guy. <laughs> I'm talking about Zion. I, that I would think, be nice. Now, that would be nice. Him and yeah, Trey? I, yeah, I think him and Trey would be extremely nice. I think definitely, and as much as I love John Collins, John Collins would have to go. Um, you'd have to give them John Collins in the trade and some several other pieces, obviously, probably some of the same pieces that we mentioned as far as to get Bill. But I mean, hey, I'm just throwing out some possibilities, you know, just stretching the mind here uh, on uh, <laughs> the all rookie podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. Now, you blew my mind with that one. Zion to the Hawks. That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. It would absolutely be insane. Because um, I know this is your show, but I had a question for you. Um, obviously not rookie related. Um, Zion, do you, I, I know they want a gold medal, but I, I kind of felt like he should have been on that gold medal team this year. Because yeah. of how that team was struct- structured uh in Tokyo, it was a lot of people who are used to getting the majority of the shots on their own team, and they're all, you know, jump shooters, rhythm shooters, and for them to be kind of spread out and not get the touches they need to really get in rhythm, um, they didn't have that guy who was physically imposing that no one can guard almost right. at times. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have some people who, when they're on, they're possible to guard like KD and the Dames and even Tatum, you know, becoming an elite elite scorer here in the NBA, but having someone physically opposing like Zion, who, who, who in FIBA going, going to stop Zion? Uh, right. And, and that's why I'm like, shoot, you bring him over to the East uh, to play along Trey, Trey Young. I mean, who, who, who going, who going to stop Zion in the East being in spitting distance from Spartanburg, South Carolina, <laughs> right down I-85. From Atlanta, but you know I'm just stretching the mind here on all of <laughs> But that's a great point. But you know that's that kind of goes along with the story, <clears throat> the story of Zion because he's always being treated with kick gloves because 
everyone fears he's an injury away from being out, you know, forever. You know, he's always a burger away from being too overweight. So, you know, there's so many questions about Zion. Um, a lot of questions. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks great on paper, but I think New Orleans, they kind of are in a tricky situation, you know, um, with his whole team possibly wanting out, you know, the way they have to treat him. I don't know if they even want to deal with the headache of Zion, if they can get someone of similar or equal talent. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And, what do you think? And, <laughs> and as much as Lyle was going to hate me saying this, and I said, I'm a, I'm a former resident of the great state of Louisiana. I was there when the Hornets came to New Orleans and we switched to the Pelicans. I mean, I have an affinity for that franchise. My first NBA game was a, was a Hornets game, NBA Hornets game. And, uh, I don't know how much longer that franchise is going to stay in New Orleans. I don't. Right, right. Um, I, I think that if it does not work with Zion, that team is going to up and relocate, I think, to either Seattle or Kansas City. I think those are the two next destinations. Or Vegas. Vegas, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to mention Vegas. I think Vegas, Kansas City, Seattle, obviously Seattle and Vegas are the two sexier destinations out of those three. But I just I don't know if it doesn't work with Zion. I don't know how much longer that franchise is going to. Uh, um, the NBA can give them only so many lifelines to you know to stay afloat in New Orleans. Obviously, I'm not yeah. trying to make a joke of the current situation in New Orleans. Being from Louisiana, I'm, you know my prayers out to everyone affected by Hurricane Ida down there, and obviously in the Northeast with that storm traveling. But uh, I don't think uh, FEMA, Red Cross, I don't think anybody can save this New Orleans franchise at this point. Um, they just got to just try to just make do with what they got and see what happens with Zion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So hopefully, you know, things turn around. They they are loaded with talent, but they're in a tough, you know, conference and all that. So they just need to keep developing and we'll see what happens with that. And um, I will I will say as much as they like got crapped on in the offseason, they did have a better offseason than the Grizzlies. You can, you can say what you want. A hoop ball grizz, you can say whatever you want, but <laughs> I, I think the Pales had a slightly better offseason, but that's just me. Yeah, well, it could have went a bunch of different ways, and they went the way they went, and we'll see it how it went. goes. It could have went a lot of different ways. I, I go lie. I was like, I ain't going to lie. I was like, what the hell going on down there? Right, right. Like, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, we were speaking about your Hawks and who you did not want to give up for Bradley Beal. So that leads me into, you know, I believe on your latest pod uh, on Hoopball Hawks, you talked about your five most crucial players to the Hawks' success next season. So tell us a little bit about that and who they are and why. So when I made the list, I did as the team is constructed right now. Because like I said, um, Oyeko Kongu is not going to be there. He's not going to be there for the first four months of the game. And I excluded Trey Young from this list because obviously Trey Young is the engine that makes the Hawks go. If he ain't doing, yeah, if he, he ain't doing good, the whole thing is over. It, it, it's done in Atlanta. It's done. Um, so, but outside of him, and so I'm it's, about it's your team. six. It's your six most crucial guys. Go ahead. Six, yeah, yeah, my six most crucial guys. Yeah, because I just said Trey Young obviously continue to become more efficient from the field shooting threes, you know, limiting turnovers. And that's how you truly progress as Trey Young, continue to be growing to that leadership role. Um, but when I did the list, as far as what the – those are my most crucial guys to the Hawks' success next year. Number five, I said Gorgie Dang. And that was a surprise cool. for some people because Okongu's out for four and a half months. Right. You know, yes, 
adding Dang is great depth from the front court. And the Hawks wanted someone that was a big who can stretch the floor. Dang can do that. I mean, last year between San Antonio and Minnesota, he was a 43% three-point shooter. Now, where he's not Okongwu is his defensive presence. I mean, he averaged four rebounds per game off the bench, a steal a game. That's decent, but 0.4 blocks per game last year. It's not going to cut it. Um, and he's going to have to st- – he averaged 14 and a half minutes last year. Okongwu averaged 12 minutes per game last year as a rookie for the Hawks. And then we had Nathan Knight when he played averaging eight and a half minutes and Fernando averaging seven. So Dang is going to f- have an opportunity to really carve out some minutes for him, but – we're going to have to see what he does in the defensive end, and that's my biggest question mark for him. And that's why he is crucial to their success and why I mentioned earlier in the pro- program, those minutes in the front court, especially those where, where people need spell, that's, I feel like that's where Jalen Johnson could come in. Um, number four, I said it was DeAndre Hunter. Uh, great before he got hurt last year. He was, even with him being hurt and missing 49 games last year, he was fifth on the team in points per game. And he was in front of Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari, a whole lot of Reddish and Lou Will. DeAndre Hunter, before getting hurt, scored more points than those players and still grabbed almost five rebounds a game, shot 86% from the free throw line, 48% from the floor. Now he can get better from the three-point range, but he is a pretty good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And obviously, we know what he can do on a defensive end. If he's healthy, we know how consistent he can be in his confidence. Uh, while other players were streaky, you know, Hunter is a very stabilizing force on both ends of the floor for the Hawks. And that's why I'm glad if he's healthy, because we didn't have him and we didn't have Reddish last year. And I talked about it on the pro on the podcast. Dang. Watching, you know, watching the Phoenix Suns have Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. I'm like, man, what if Reddish and Hunter were healthy last year in the playoffs? That was the weakest spot of the Hawks last year was the small forward position in the playoffs because I mean, I love Solomon Hill. I love Solomon Hill. I love Tony Snell. They did what they had to do, but we had to kind of nurse nurse that three position for the Hawks. So to have him back would be crucial this upcoming season. John Collins was three. He just got a bag. There's a lot of people who disappear after bag. I don't think he will, but the thing that a lot of people don't give credit for John Collins is he really had to take a step back and see what his role was on the team last year with all the pieces they added around him. And he wasn't scoring, you know, the 20 points per game, almost having 10 boards and a block and a half, almost two blocks, that a game that everyone was loving from fantasy. Now, he still had decent fantasy numbers when he was in last year. But he still, like I say, still averaged 18 points per game, seven rebounds a block, shot 83% from the free throw line, 61% from two-point range, and 40% from three-point range. Averaging 12 shots a game, still great, but he got you, you got your bag. You wanted to come back to Atlanta. There's a lot of, you know, other pieces around. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Atlanta. You may not be featured every night, but for John Collins, it's crucial that whatever role is called upon him in each game, you play your role. You play your role to the fullest, whether that's defending, whether that is knocking down a corner three, whether that is put back energy plays. And I talked about on the podcast, he reminds me of a mixture between Paul Millsap and Josh Smith. Josh Smith with his athleticism and his energy plays and Millsap just always making the right play. Uh, So I'm really interested to see who John Collins is next year, how he's going to play. And that's why he's crucial. Number two, Cam Reddish, 
you know, we talked about it. I already gave my point, so I'm going to move on. Number one, I said Bogey. Bogey's the most important player to the Hawks' success in last year, uh, this upcoming year. Um, with his three-point shooting ability, playmaking ability, dribbling, his aggressiveness and confidence, sometimes it can be to a fault, his aggressiveness and confidence. But mm-hmm. if he is your third leading scorer on most nights and he is playmaking for others, this is going to be a pretty dang good Hawks team again. And he has to be healthy as well. Injuries really plagued him last year as well, quietly. And injuries pretty much plagued this Hawks team throughout the entire season. The Hawks really never had a full deck of cards to play with. That's why it sucks so Kongu's out. But if we can have almost all the cards into the deck going into the start of this NBA season, which is only what, five weeks away now, uh, roughly about five weeks away from the tip-off of the Hawks season opener here in Atlanta, uh, then I think that they're, they are poised to have a great start, um, especially with some tough games coming up in December and January for the Hawks. I love that. That was just excellent coverage of the Hawks. You know, this is why everyone you need to go follow my man Brad Harden. Tell them your Instagram, your, your, your Twitter, your social media, all that, so they can check you out. Yeah, y'all, hey, y'all, come check me out on Twitter. I, I've been kind of, uh, I've been kind of quiet lately. Uh, but football season is coming around. I'm a big Saints and LSU fan. Uh, even though LSU did hurt me against UCLA that first week, but um, if you want to talk Hawks, if you want to talk sports, hit me up on Twitter at Brad Jarrett six seven. That is Brad J A R R E T T six seven. Come holler at me. Let me know. Hey, if my Hawks take sucks. Come holler at your boy. I'm all about <laughs> self-reflection and improvement. I'm all about that, you know. So come talk to me, and you know, it was just a, it was just a pleasure to come on here and share my my knowledge about the Hawks with you know with your audience. You know, you guys have a gym here in Will. This is a great show, and I'm just really excited to see where this program, along with all the other programs on Hoop Ball, are going to go from here. But specifically this one right here, because you know, Will, that's the homie. I'm just glad he got me on uh, the draft show, man. That was fun. That was a fun time. Really fun time. Oh, yeah, that was a ton of fun. I had to have you on. I got to have you back on again. And one last question before I let you out of here. You already mentioned Brooklyn is probably going to be ahead of the Hawks, but where do you have the Hawks finishing in the East? So, realistically, I have the Hawks finishing in the Eastern Conference semifinals next year. Um, and 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 some people will be like, well, you're in the Eastern Conference finals. You know, why are you going back on that? Because we over exceeded expectations last year. That's why we over exceeded expectations. And the East got tougher this year, especially the top half of the East. Now, Philadelphia is a question mark with Ben Simmons right now. But realistically, I can confidently put my put the Hawks in the Eastern Conference semifinals this year. But it's going to come down to health and those five crucial players that I mentioned outside of Trey Young. You know, all taking steps up because this upcoming season for the Hawks is an evaluation period. And the the question that Will asked me on the show about Beal and making a potential move, I foresee a big move coming. You know, whether I don't think it's the trade deadline, but I think definitely next offseason a trade is coming to try to add a second star next to Trey Young. So this whole season is going to be let's see what we have with the pieces we got. Who is going to work? Who's going to stay long term? And if you are not making the cut, if you're Cam Reddish, if you're Cameron Herter and you take a step back, heck, I mean, I say DeAndre Hunter is untouchable, but who knows? Who knows? If you're bogey, if you're Gallo with a large contract and your knees ain't getting any younger, I mean, there's there's some pieces that the Hawks can move and really get another star 
So that's why I say Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, anything less than that, I mean, is 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 not. I'm not going to say a down year, but it's slightly disappointing. But you know what? The the future is bright for Atlanta, and this yeah. year, last year was to set it up. This year is crucial as far as far as to see. This is the year before the Warriors made their moves to become the Warriors that we know the dynasty. I'm not saying the Hawks are the Warriors, but I'm That's saying that. Sound it, like you're saying, bro. <laughs> <so sound. laughs> and and I'll get you know what? There's some similarities. There's some similarities. They are. They're, they really but, are. But this is the crossroads right here. Me, me at the crossroads. So you won't be. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is the crossroads for the Hawks right now to see as far as who's going to stay and who's going to go. And who do we need to move to get the player that we truly need alongside Trey Young to really try to battle out for an NBA title once the Lakers and the Nets, you know, kind of, you know, duke it out for the next couple of years. 100 percent. So uh, in the regular season, what do you have them finishing? First, second, third, fourth? What? What you got? I, I got them fourth in the East. I got them fourth in the Ooh, East. Okay. Um, um, I, I definitely think they're going to be I think they're going to finish better than Miami. I think Miami has a lot of older players and the injury bug has really got Miami, you know, the last, you know, couple of years as well. So, and I think the Hawks being a little bit younger and then, you know, that confidence, I think it's going to get them off to a slow start. And I think Miami can, you know, finish strong and I see your potential four or five matchup with us in Miami. Uh, But I think for everybody in the East, when you're battling down the stretch coming playoff time, me try to you're gonna try to avoid Brooklyn as best you can. You're gonna try yeah. to, you're gonna try to avoid Brooklyn. So um I would love for the Hawks to get the three, potentially. Um, but you know what? We're not afraid of nobody in Atlanta. You know, you know, no one wants to give us credit. You know, Atlanta versus everybody. That's the mentality that this team has. And believe Atlanta, believe ATL. So you know what? We we're, we're gonna see where the chips fall. But I would love three, but I'm I'm gonna go four seed um in the regular season. All right, sounds good. And everybody, there there you have it. I mean, that's why you have to follow Hoopball Hawks. Check out the podcast. Follow my man, Brad Harden. His Twitter is BradJarrett67. He's the man. You got to have me on your Hoopball Hawks uh, show at some point. And you definitely have an open invitation here back to the All Rookie Podcast. Yeah, man, I got to get better with the guests. And you're definitely going to be on, Will. You're going to be on... Probably in the near future, probably in the next couple of weeks, because I need some guests. So uh, just, <laughs> just just keep your line open because it's coming. It's coming. Well, there you go. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the All Rookie Podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. And we're out of here. We'll catch you next time. Peace. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.